You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello and welcome to Garibaldi Red, the Nottingham Forest podcast from Nottinghamshire Live. My name is Matt Davis, hosting as usual, and I'm joined by former Red and Sky Sports presenter David Prutton to look back on hello to look back on the uh, <laughs> defeat to Reading on Saturday, which um, Prutt, I know you uh, mm. presented for Sky, so you're well qualified to talk about it and uh, give us a kind of a player's perspective on what the hell's going on at Forest at the moment. So. Um, uh- yeah, I mean, my my uh, jovial nature obviously does not reflect perhaps what uh, Forest fans are feeling, and doesn't reflect what I saw in the game, and, I'm, and I really do feel from this moment in time. Um, it, it seemed to be. We're listening to Chris afterwards as well, talking about for the first fifteen minutes, it was it was very very balanced, and it was. He's right, and and it's it sounds so very obvious and, and a cliche, but goals change games, and chances missed change games, and obviously. We saw a wonderful, wonderful chance for Lyle Taylor, the type of one that he's been crying out for, which gets a clean contact. If he toe pokes it, if it comes off his knee, if it comes off his calf, it probably bounces up and over the goalkeeper. Forrest 1-0 up, different set of circumstances. And then we see the aberration that comes from a relatively straightforward ball into the box. And as you know, never was a goalkeeper. I was always a big fan of what their particular speciality position is. But it looked... To all intents and purposes, pretty straightforward for for Breeze to come and claim and and calm everything down. Then after that, it's compounded obviously by Ryan's instinctive reaction to keep the ball out of his net. And I was chatting to Matt Mills and Viv Anderson about it. And in that instance, you would like it, it would be wonderful if we were very high performing individuals that could work out the consequence of an action in that specific moment. Because in theory. He, not not saying that you're ever trying to let a goal in, but the goal goes in. Yes, Forrester a goal down, but there's still the same amount of men, which gives them a hell of a better chance of staying in the game than it does with with down to ten men and, and a penalty. So um, it was it was a game which rather quickly got away from them after what I thought was a, was a bright start. No lack of effort or endeavour, no lack of commitment that I saw evidentially with my own eyes, but just. Another poor result against a team who have have gone through their own little dip and seem to have had the mental fortitude to get back to it. Yeah, I mean, you raised some interesting points there. I suppose we should talk about. Um, well, let's go through it chronologically. I mean, Taylor's mm. miss is obviously a big moment. Do you must have a lot of sympathy for him? He's ploughing a very, very lonely furrow up there at the moment. He looked very frustrated when he came off. I mean, it's a tough gig when you, you know, the team hasn't scored oh. in five mm. games and hasn't always looked like scoring as well. Yeah, it's tough. And I've seen games in, in recent weeks where, as you say, that lone striker position that he's played, emphasis very much on the lone, but spending a lot of time without the necessary support, without the quality of ball up to him. Um, the benchmark that's set by Lewis, perhaps showing how many goals he can score in the Championship, means there's, there's certainly a standard to attain from... From Lyle's point of view, it was, and again, it was a big gesture in the summer to come out of Charlton for him to back himself to come to the championship to be able to score goals at a uh, iconic club such as Forest, and that that's where you see the real um, substance of the player and the person. He, he strikes me as a very confident fella. Seen him score many goals last season, seen him be prolific, and I still very much think that's in his locker and in his future for Forest. But when these chances that are few and far between do come along. To, to kind of quell the frustration that you feel as a striker, 
I would think that second nature, that's got to go in, hasn't it? That that Therein lies his side of doing the bargain of, if you're not happy with the, and I'm not saying he's been too vocal about this in the press, because I don't think he has, but it made it made his team, any good striker, any, any striker that I came across who was confident, worth his salt, um, sure of his position, would, would come at you and say, I need better balls into the box. Give me that cross first time. Uh, look forward with that first pass. Don't go sideways. Don't look for the safe option. Get me into positions where I can score. Then let me do the rest. And in that instance, he got a chance to do that. But unfortunately, couldn't turn it away. And then not too long after, uh, the, the pendulum swung very firmly into uh, Reading's favour, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, when we look at the goal... Um... Where do, well, what's, as a percentage, where does the blame lie? I know what I think, but uh, I mean, who are you apportioning blame to there? Yates, Samba, where's it going? Samba, goalkeeper's got to come and claim it. Uh, mm. I think if a goalkeeper can ca- can attempt uh, sorry, to catch the ball at chest height, possibly, maybe yeah, just above his midriff, so chest height, um, inside his own six-yard box and not kind of sense danger... Something in it, you're watching it going, mm, don't like the look of this, don't like the look of this. And as it turned out, obviously, that's what happened because in that particular situation, it's maybe it's turning slightly now, but goalkeepers have got absolute carte blanche to come out there and wipe people out. They very rare, I mean, when was the last time you saw a goalkeeper come out, punch the ball, wipe out a player, uh, sorry, an outfield player, or come out and catch the ball with his knee up? Again, real physical contact against an outfield player and the referee blow for a foul for the opponent. Never happens, does it? Goalkeepers, I'm not saying they're a protected species, but always, I, I've always found that the the, um, the, the favourability would lie with, uh, with the goalkeeper. So, I, I, and again, this is me passing judgment on a position I never, ever played. So, uh, apologies if, if there's any budding goalkeepers or people of any kind of goalkeeping background that listen saying that's a load of rubbish. But I think... Given how congested a penalty area is in a football match, when an in an in swinging free kicks coming in, to to be kind of surprised that you're going to get um, challenged for a ball is in itself, I think, surprising. And then off the back of it, and we've spoken on on here before, man. Of all the people, bless him, it it, it was Ryan Yates in that position, wasn't it? You know what I mean? His finger's been pointed at perhaps chances across games where he possibly could have scored a goal. Um, when things aren't going so well, some people just attract attention. And again, we've spoken about that in the past, about perhaps some of that unwarranted attention has fallen on Ryan. But that split-second decision he made to keep the ball out uh, was, was I mean, it, it, on initial looking in real time, it was, it was, I thought it was quite well disguised. Obviously, you've got the referee and, and the lines, the lines people very, very close indeed. But it was, um, it was, it was a, a fatal error made by the goalkeeper, which was then compounded, obviously, by the decision made by Ryan. Yeah, I totally agree. I would say it's like ninety-five percent Samba's fault. I mean, uh, you know, in that instinctive position, mm. if you're Yates, most of the time, I think. You know, just muscle memory just reaches out for the ball. I don't think any of us. That's, that's all it was. The thing, purely, purely instinctive, purely instinctive. Mm. Your, your first thought is trying to keep the ball out, and and it's it's um that that's a split second decision that he made. It, he'll regret that. I mean, in, in a footballing sense, he'll regret that. It's it's um it's something that would I, I think would frustrate the fans having seen it. Uh, and I hope there's there's some form of 
um, not leniency, but perspective given to that particular decision that was made. Because, like I said, it came off the back of something where if you were lining up for this free kick and it's and it's coming in and you're the way Forest were lined up on the edge of not necessarily the 18-yard box, probably about five yards further in. So you've got your two lines and you've got people that are marking and you've got your eye on a runner coming across. Given the height that it's come at, given how um, it's stacked in the goalkeeper's favour to come and claim it, you'd kind of half be thinking, well, that's claimed. Maybe a bit like Lyle Taylor was doing, almost kind of peeled away, presuming that the goalkeeper's caught it and maybe getting get a counter-attack, but wasn't to be, unfortunately, was it? When you get Lucas Schwau, who seems to be a man utterly transformed at Reading, he's, we saw a player like that in patches at Wednesday, but he's whatever Belko Paunovic is doing with him is absolutely working and it never felt like he was going to miss, did it? No, no, true. The other thing I was going to say about the goal, which I think kind of sums up for us at the moment, is a real kind of lack of intensity. So, when Samba's on it, he probably comes and claims that. Similarly, when Amiobi goes to that header against Swansea, if you saw that game, he gets out jumped mm, by a fullback. Yeah. I think when you're playing well, you you do those things right. But at the moment, Forest don't have any zip about their play. They look a bit downtrodden. They they look like they believe they're going to lose to me as soon as they go behind. I mean, am I reading too much into that or not? I think uh, when you are in these positions, the 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 biggest the biggest two factors you've got to fight against are uh, kind of feeling sorry for yourselves and a lack of confidence. And as in anything in life, confidence is absolutely key. But as is also evident in life, it's not so easy just to say, pull yourselves together or as, as footballers, just play better. I mean, I, I'm sure if managers thought that that was the key, there'd be so many that would find it a lot more straightforward. But they they seem to be... And, and the word probably toiling as well sums up a lot of it. Like I said, because I mean that that this is with, with toiling. There's a suggestion that players are trying, but not but things aren't coming off. And I think you're absolutely right, Matt. When a confident goalkeeper in a good run of form, part of a defence that's been hard to break down in a team that's good attacking and going forward, he comes out. He doesn't care if his own players in front of him. He comes out, boom, over the top of everybody. He either catches it. You know, like, like goalkeepers do, catch it, lie on it for 10 seconds to get the ripple of applause from it. You know what I mean? I've done my job here. Or they'll come out and they punch it and they launch everything and everybody out the way and everyone goes, hey. So I think there is, I think there are instances of that. And that also is is, is on Chris Hewitt's kind of inbox to work on. And it's, it's, it's something that um, I'm sure he'll be absolutely well aware of. Which kind of leads on to something we were discussing before we started recording. I mean, mm. uh, the simple thing is that fans almost always say is when teams are losing is the players don't care, the players aren't trying, which mm. I have never prescribed to. And you can speak from a former pro's perspective. I assume players do care and at least have some kind of professional pride at the fact mm. that you know Forest are twenty first in the championship, and that's not what anyone wants, is it? No, and, and but I can I can absolutely understand what the fans are saying. And I've, and I've been in teams where that finger's been pointed, and it it should it should really kind of it should make you wince. It should feel sore the fact that as individuals and and as a collective, that professional side of what it is to be a footballer it's your it's it's your job, it's your vocation. You should approach it and everything. And this is this is me not sat here saying that I, I mean throughout my career, however long it lasted and wherever it led me that. Every single day, I did absolutely everything to make sure that I was um, 
as professional as ever because we're only human beings. But over the majority of of my career, I'd like to think I, I, I genuinely gave gave a gave a, a, a very strong. Uh, I was going to swear then, but we can't swear, can we? <laughs> you care, you, you care what? Uh, yeah, you care. You care about what, where you are, and who you're doing it for. Um, you, to, to go into a club and profess that you know exactly how the fans feel, unless you are a fan of the actual club, I've never really agreed with. But you can you can do what your responsibility is, which is a try to run and b perform as consistently as you possibly can. Um, but within that, and given what we've seen so far this season, and even and, and I hate to say it, and I hate to sound like part of it could be slightly repetitive, but even given what happened at the end of last season, are we looking at something that? really has kind of set in and, and not helped them. They're still trying to work their way through. Yes, there's been turnover of players, turnover of management, turnover of staff. Um, but something's, something's missing, isn't it? Something's, something's in that sense of... Um, I, I, don't, I, I, I think the players that you're looking at, I think going through the team, uh, the likes of Harry Arter, Jack Colback, obviously, he's, he's not been in and around it, unfortunately. Hopefully, he's going to get back at some stage. Um the likes of Warrell, McKenna, um, the, the the team the team that we're looking at, Joe Lolly, has he ever struck you as a lad that doesn't care about playing for Forest or performances? No, I, I think you're not seeing anywhere near enough of him. Um, the same with Sammy Amiobi. Um, I can, I can and I could name many many players under that list, and obviously Matty Cash has moved on, Ben Watson's moved on. Not only good players, but big characters within these dressing rooms. Michael Dawson's still there, knowing Dawson like I do. I can't think for one minute he would, even if he is in the autumn of his career of what's been a wonderful career. I can't think for a minute that he would stand for anything less than everyone giving their absolute all. So I think there's enough good people, enough good professionals, and look at the boss as well. Enough. In, with enough experience to to think that the prerequisites, the fundamentals of putting a shift in, and again, I mean, these are all very cliche terms because football has, in, in perhaps at the very upper reach of the Premier League, it's taken on a mantle of almost being supernatural, hasn't it, with regard to how teams are assembled and put together, and there's there's an alchemy to it which I think both fascinates and enthralls us. But I still think fundamentally, you get eleven players that care, that work hard. That yes, they obviously need to have talent and a technical and tactical awareness. You'll, you'll do, you'll go a long way with that. And I just think the confidence, that key ingredient, that secret special ingredient that brings you confidence, just seems to be lacking at this moment in time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've been uh, in dressing rooms at half time where a player's been sent off. You might have been the player that's been sent I've off. Normally, I've, yeah, there you go. I've normally been the player. <laughs> I'll get in there first. <laughs> Sat in the corner going. Yeah, well, that's one thing. I mean, um, what I suppose my question is: when the chips mm. are so down, they're struggling so much. What could Hewton do? And I, I assume Yates is just in there gutted. I mean, what, when players are sent off, I guess they, they hang around in the dressing room and apologise profusely at half time. Do they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this. I'm trying to think on the odd occasion when I actually thought I was half done by. Which that's that, that's that's a good thing trying to justify. Why not? Why he got set up? But almost given a, a reason. There's, there's there's one that there's one that I remember. Sorry, as a as a bit of a bit of a diversion. But it was against Sheffield United at home. It, awful conditions, but really good fun. I mean, it was like puddles of water flying around. I got sent off. I think it might have 
it, the chronological element of this escapes me briefly. Jack Lester got sent. Jack Lester got sent off as well, mm. and I, Jack's a, a good mate of mine, and so I get sent off, and I'm like pumped up because those games against Sheffield United back in the day were, were great. I mean, that's like the Jackie Elka, Michael Tong, Michael Brown era, wasn't it? And it, I mean, there was mm. no love lost between us lot and that lot, but really, like really good, strong bunch of solid pros, and. Um, so I got sent off, and I think I justified it to Paul Hart at the time, saying, "Well, I had to do him because he was going to do me, boss. You know what I mean? I had to, I had to go in higher than he was because he was obviously coming for me." And it's just like, "What? That's not a reason you mental. That, that doesn't count as a." And then, so I got been sent off, and then I was kind of sat in the dressing room, kind of calming myself. So then I had the kind of unmistakable rattle of studs coming up the coming up the uh, corridor. I'm thinking, "No, who's this?" Then Jack pops his head in the door, and I was like. Oh God, not you as well. <laughs> you went, yeah, yeah. I think we're both in trouble here. But and again, obviously, you, you look back on it now with fondness. But I'd have beat myself mm-hmm. up, and I'm, and I'm sure Paul went to absolute towners. But I mean, given the situation with Saturday and how Ryan did it, and, and the, the type of player and person that he comes across as, I think it would have been very hard, very hard for people to go in and kind of rip strips off him. He, he strikes me as I'm not saying you've got to be all nicey nicey because. Uh, because of how a player might be, but it, I think about going back to your original question. It depends on the on the the state of the game, the intensity of the game, the temperature of the game, uh, who the, perhaps the player is, how the player's gone about it. Um, so I think there's there's many mitigating circumstances. But what I've heard as well from what Chris, how he approaches halftime, I think there's a lot of I think there's a couple of minutes where it's very much the players discuss what's. I say discuss mm. like we're all sat there with a cup of tea going, tremendous point. If, if they're not up, if and it is, it, it's, it's a very finite amount of time to get thoughts, emotions and opinions across and they can come out in a myriad of ways. You know what I mean? You can get some people holding each other up. You can get people screaming at each other. It can be an arm around the shoulder. I presume, given what I've seen from the forest lot, it'd have been, <laughs> Ryan, you silly bugger. It's not really helped us, but almost, you know what I mean? We can understand why, which mm. uh, I don't know whether... If, if you're listening as a Forest fan, whether you think, well, I don't, I'm not having that. I want people to go in and give them a bit. I, I don't know what what the reaction to that would be. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Um, or what would you like to be happening in the dressing room after a game at the moment? Would you like these Forest players to be tearing strips off each other, or does that become kind of a futile gesture if it just keeps happening? I mean, what yeah. what should the atmosphere <laughs> be in a struggling team? But then, but then, let's not forget. I mean, you look at. The result and the performance against Watford, who yeah. everyone's talking about what Watford as a much fancied side that I mean in their case, yes, the points gap is, is quite small, but they're not pulling up trees the way that Norwich and Bournemouth are, are they? Uh, and Reading. So they've certainly got work to do with bigger expectations and a and a and a, and a very, very decent squad. So sometimes you can get that kind of um I hesitate to use the word euphoria about a nil-nil draw at home against Watford. But given the run that they were on, good solid defensive display and, and situations where they could have come away with all three points, that suddenly gets dissipated after 15 minutes. Whether, and I, I don't know whether it's something that you would, that we're going to come on and discuss, but you, you look at perhaps swapping out Joe Worrell or swapping Joe Worrell back in for, uh, for and Tobias Figueroa coming out. You look at being able to keep Watford at bay and, and looking at that team together, that, that back four together, and then that back four changes. I mean, we, we all know how good Joe is, don't we? And, and what 
um, how he is placing the side in the club and, and as a leader in that team. And you can understand why Chris has kind of thought to, to move the team around. But maybe just maybe these little imbalances in chemistry after a good defensive display may, meant that that was it was easier to be derailed on on Saturday against against Reading. But give, going back to what they would say to each other again. I'm t- I was, just, I was looking. We did the game obviously on Saturday. I'm just looking again at the um, the starting eleven, and I mean, there's there's experience all the way across it. Given where Cyrus Christie's been, Joe Worrell. I played with Cyrus. He, he's, he's not he's no shrinking violet at all. He'll say his piece. McKenna again. Arthur Yates, Knockhart, Cafu, Joe Lolly, and Lyle Taylor. Within that, there's not there's not too many quiet lads. I don't think. I'm not saying you've got to be there beating your chest and screaming and shouting. But there's enough experience in there to know when things are slightly off. And if it's if it's a case of a confidence thing, that's when the flip side's got to work. They've got to be ultra positive. They've got to get lads doing what they're very, very good at, what they feel comfortable being very, very good at, which helps to grind out results and performances because, it, I mean, let's not beat about the bush. These next few games are going to be... Are going to be where they come together and, and they've got to grind through these. They've got to get through the serious legwork that comes with trying to put points on the board in the championship game. Mm. Um, let's take a couple of questions then uh, while we're here. The, the, these two are quite related in a sense. So mm. um, Darren Price says, we haven't got Silver or Carvalho tie for play in the squad. We're too slow. And then Greg Oram in terms asks, where's our next goal coming from? And I think they're kind of interlinked. I mean, from watching Forest, mm. do you think they're lacking a certain spark, or should they have it with Knockart, Lolly, Freeman when he's fit? Uh, you know, they, they should have enough there, you think, or not? Well, between the three of them at championship level, I've seen all three of them produce. I've seen them capable of winning games, creating the chances for strikers to help win games. Whether you look at perhaps Joe's output this season, no assisters yet, neither has Sammy, but was top of their assist last season, from what I remember rightly. But how well did he play with Matty Cash? How, mm. how you know I mean? Yeah, and he, yes, he did swap flanks at times, but we sometimes you look at individuals, but what Matty did to facilitate how effective Joe was, it's these little partnerships. It's two centre-halves, it's a centre-half and a full-back, it's a full-back and his winger, it's two centre-midfielders, it's two strikers, which, ironically, <laughs> something that Forrest are very, very reluctant to play, isn't it, two strikers? Um so I think, and again with Anthony uh, Knockhart as well, a, a man that knows how to get a te- teams promoted out of this division. So I think, I think the the quality and I think the creativity is there. And I think just the other point about the pace in the team, I think that's another very good point as well. And the thing is as well, if you haven't got pace, then you possibly need power. Mm. And if that sounds a bit kind of backward in the sense of if like that sheer raw pace that I don't know a striker may give you or a winger may give you if you haven't got that you need strong runners to be able to overpower teams Forest don't look like a side to me that can overpower teams at this moment in time nor do they look like a team that can pass someone else off the park so they need to then make sure that they facilitate who they've got and what they've got whether it's Joe on one side and Anthony on another you know what Anthony's going to come and do more often than not come on his left foot Um the same with Joe. And then balls into the box need to be of a consistent quality, but also numbers need to be in there. Lyle needs at least two other people making the boxing, whether that's the opposite winger or the opposite wide man, and A, another from midfield, um, which we've seen. Ryan's arrived a couple of times, should have got a couple of goals, claimed the one at Luton, which 
was a quite wonderful own goal, won it off the face of the defender. Um, so I think it's, to me, it seems like the pieces are there. I, I just think that you, you'd look in January, as ever you should look in January, to look to look to be tooling up at one end of the pitch that you um, seem to be toiling at because um, because it's, again, like I said, it, it's, it, again, for Forest fans, and apologies to Forest fans if I'm, Preemptive, what you're going to say, and I'm not getting it right, but it's it can it's it's a tough watch, I think, at the moment, and that's no disgrace. These things happen in championship seasons, especially at this level. But if there's that ability to be able to create and excite, then by the time we, we get round to being able to say welcome 2,000 fans in, there's something for them to to get excited about. Yeah, um, leads on to another question. Actually, you're quite mm. good at leading into the next question without. <laughs> A question from Dean Spencer about the January window and how you're viewing it. I mean, what would you like to see Forrest do in January in terms of, you know, shaking things up a bit? I mean, do we go down the road of of, of shaking it up again? Because we've seen a hell of a lot of business and work um, and, and traffic, haven't we, over the course of the summer, which hasn't garnered anything to write home about so far. I think hopefully... From Chris's point of view, he'll get the sense of several games. And I'm not saying he's going to use games between now and January or into the first couple of weeks in January purely to work out who he's got and what he's got. But it's very actively on the job finding out who can perform for him in this situation. I think he's very quickly got to get his head around who he, who he can afford to lose, who perhaps he's unsure about. And then I, I think if you looked at Lyle Taylor on a free transfer in the summer, you'd have gone, yeah, take him, definitely. He's got a bit between his teeth, something to prove at this level. Let's see what he's got. That hasn't quite worked out as yet, but as we've alluded to earlier, it's not just about him specifically on his own. It's about how he's using the team. I think you get Lewis back up and running and fit, uh, give him a decent stretch of games. We, we know that he can score goals, but it's also, again, got to be uh, in that position where where they're creating chances. I think, again, they miss Ben Watson, who... Very, very kind of low maintenance player, very low key, but absolutely imperative to the way that a midfield operates. Maybe you get Jack back fit. Maybe he fills that void. There's there's that sense, perhaps, of you look at it, and on the one hand, you could say it needs major surgery. On the other hand, you look at where these players are with these specific injuries. Maybe, just maybe, you're going to see something come together in January. Apologies if that sounds needlessly positive or pathetically positive, but um, you never know what a full-strength, fully-fit squad um, can suddenly pull together when they've got a manager such as Chris in charge. So um, I think, as anything, I think you always look at the spine of the side. I think you've got two wider players in, in Anthony and, and Joe Lolly that can be dangerous in the Championship. After that, you look at solidity and people that make you hard to beat. What do you think players will be thinking in terms of transfers? Will there be Will they be desperate to get recruits in to strengthen them or will there be quite a bit of self-interest with blokes thinking oh don't tell anyone in my position you know I'll lose my place I mean where's the balance lie there honestly there's there's not many footballers and I don't don't, don't worry I don't think I'm pricking any form of mystique here that there isn't an element of self-interest that that is their motivation I I think we all know that don't we we all understand that Um, the better ones are better at hiding it I think but um, I think in the sense of the greater good of the football club, 
if a team's playing well and attracting attention, if a football club is is doing well and attracting attention, it only benefits the people that are there. So you want the best players in if that in turn generates the type of competitiveness that perhaps that squad and that club needs, then I think that's that's good. Um, I, as, as a player, I was I was always very, I was going to say I was very welcome of, of seeing better players walk in the door, but that was a continual <laughs> revolving door. <laughs> It was like, could, you, could we just sign someone that's average just to give me half a chance? Um, but um, no, always, I mean, and I think as well, if you welcome in someone um, who you know can get goals, who brings that extra level of confidence, can lift training. And, so, and, and sometimes it's a bit more, what's the word? It's, a, it's, it's not quite as obvious. You know, you might get a player in who he, he is, put him in a box, Mark's good player, yes, but sometimes the confidence and the and the energy of what that can that can bring, and I also saw the last part of the question about youngsters as well. Again, they can create that type of um, lightness, if you like, when things aren't going so well, when things aren't. They look like so well, Swan. Don't you? I mean, it, it's we're looking at players that can bring something, a, 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 an appreciative naivety, if you like, to what is quite a tough a tough situation because. Um, Sometimes the chemistry of the team's a little off when it's all kind of hard and pros that are a little bit miffed about where they find themselves in the in the division. Well, continue your run of leading right to my next question. Um, Dan Cook asks, do we have too many players with no future bigger than Forrest? Which I suppose is a, an interesting way of saying, uh, do we have too many players who are a bit over the hill and in it for the money, I guess, is what he's angling at? I don't know. I, th- I, mean, what, I think it's a great... I- I think it's a great question, Dan, because I think it's it, that's in a sense of because I was when you were mentioning it, Matt about the transfer window. G- given what we've seen from from Forest so far this season, you go through that side that I spoke about. You look at the bench. You look at players that are out injured on the way back, and we're not having a conversation, are we, about who the Forest need to keep hold of? No, and that no. in that in itself is it's not worrying. It's not worrying because that's too big of a word. It's it certainly makes you think, doesn't it? Because um there are some good players in there, I think. And the players that I mentioned that we've seen perform at this level and we've seen perform at um and, and get the and get teams at this level to into the Premier League. But there's there's no real discussion really about so like a, a like Joe or Lyle or, or Lewis Grabber, and this is me. Excuse me, not not saying that that's not me passing judgment on what I think of these players. I just think, given what how Forest find themselves at this moment in time, I think that's quite telling. Which means that maybe just maybe with good additions and um, with more with a with a with a blunt way of saying this of of the existing group of play, players collectively pulling the fingers out and and performing as they can, which they haven't been doing, then, like I said, I think you've got the makings there of of um, of, of a side that can really... It's, it's tough, because, it? again, we'll, we'll lead on to this in due course about when we use the term compete with them at this moment in time, what, what do we think Forest needs to compete for? Safety? There's an aspect of that right now. There very much is an aspect of that right now. Um, but the, t- the teams that are leading the way... Bournemouth, you, you, you immediately look at the relegated sides, Bournemouth, Norwich and Watford, kept some semblance of decent squads together. 
did anyone see Reading doing what Reading have, have done so far? Not particularly. Swansea, a relatively young team under Steve Cooper, um, got to the playoffs. We know we know what they're capable of, and it's it's not it's not a point that I'm I'm, em, I'm emphasising just to hammer home how poor this opening portion of the season has been for Forest. But the competition across the Championship is is um, the spectrum of it is is a lot wider. I think. For, for teams mm. to be able to give it a decent decent run, and 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 that's without going into obviously forensic detail about every single player of every single side, but I think given what we've seen from the front runners so far, and what we've seen in quite a, a nice section of the season that you can you can compare, there's there's nothing to to suggest that it's a team that should be spending the rest of the of the of the um, season looking nervously over the shoulder. No, true. I think it's interesting that some of the sides that are doing well, and you'll probably see more of these sides than me, but like sides like Reading, Swansea, even Barnsley, they're quite young and progressive, aren't they? They're, mm-hmm. They play good football, they're quick, they're nippy. Uh, do you think the Championship's moving in that direction and Forest are getting caught out a bit by that? Because Norwich and Bournemouth are quite good footballing sides as well, aren't they? But Yeah, they are. There's, there's a, and the thing is, well, I, I, was chat, I was chatting about this this morning when I was... I was boring someone else on a podcast. Um, we were talking about um, if you can, what what struck me was the teams that we talked about, as you've mentioned there, man, and then Reading as well, and, and teams and clubs that to me, and this may be my own preconception of coming across these sides as a player and then viewing them. They're not nasty teams, are they? No. Maybe the Watford side under Aidy Boothroyd that smashed Leeds up in the playoff final, really mm. bullied them in the playoff final. We're yeah. we're a a club Sheffield that was United built when you were playing, yeah, who, who were built in certain ways. But, mm-hmm. but let's not forget Sheffield United, good football. That was a good footballing team as well. But the but the, the kind of current incarnations we're talking about now, Reading, very easy on the eye and very effective. Bournemouth again, same for them. Norwich, same for them. Uh, Swansea, same for them. There's, I think, if you're going to find yourself in that position where you're not kind of footballing your way to some form of relative success. Then you have to be hard to beat. You have to be, again, apologies for a, a bit of an old-fashioned cliche stereotype. You've got to be a bit nasty. Does this Forest side strike you as nasty? Not really, does it? It's it's, it's it seems like a nice enough team to play against, which have, like I said, have given it a go, but things haven't haven't come together as yet. So maybe there has been a slight evolution in what we see from. Um, uh, teams in the championship, and I think there is a filter down from the Premier League with players that are available, uh, as and where you can take them on board. But I still think that pace element that I mentioned about um, Forest, m- maybe there's something in there that needs to be addressed. Because as I said, you talk about ha- how players function within an eleven, and again, given how Joe played, and then you did have Matty Cash, who was, I mean, lung busting up and down the right hand side. Of that particular pitch, I'm not. I'm not saying for one second, uh, knowing Matty a little bit, and lovely, lovely lad that he is. I'm not saying for one second that Forest's future hinges on whether Matty Cash stayed or in the line. That's with the greatest respect to Matty. They've, <laughs> Forest have always been in that flux of, of players moving on, and that and that seems to be the way it is. But what how he facilitated other players with that kind of power really helped the side. So it's. Um, I think there's a, there is definitely something in that, Matt. I think you're absolutely right. I'm not saying they've been left behind completely. I'm not saying they've been left behind forever because every team's got to evolve. 
Um, but there's there is something in there that dynamism, and maybe dynamism comes from being confident, more confident in possession, more confident on the ball, more confident when you're winning games and accruing points. Maybe it comes from that. Maybe I'm doing them a disservice to say that it's a team that lacks a bit of um, a, 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 lacks a bit of dynamism, but it's something that we're just which it's just not being seen, is it, at this moment in time? Yeah. Do you think revolution rather than evolution is a big problem as well? I mean, Forest <laughs> recruitment has been, you know, uh, pretty uh, Bolsheviks going wild, whereas Bournemouth was that, that Bournemouth team they played. I think mm. they didn't have any new signings in it. Watford retained a lot, which is obviously helped by parachute payments. But, mm. you know, Forest have ripped it all up and started again. And they've but not started I mean, it with pace, have they? Like you said. No, I mean, they're not. But, but, but let's, I mean, again, it is when, when we are judging football teams and, and, Comparing football clubs, I mean, let's if you put it into the context, I mean, Bournemouth fell out of the Premier League with an absolute whimper, didn't they? There was, there was, and the players, even some of the players that have, have there and have since moved on, have alluded to the fact that, well, I, I found myself in a bit of a sticky situation, and you know what I mean, and we just we, we couldn't redress it, and and it, they just kind of meandered the way out of the Premier League after five very very solid years, so. Um, let's let's not instantly let, let's not just say look compare it to them and they're doing fantastic because they've not covered themselves in glory <laughs> at the back end of a Premier League season. So they've got something to prove. They've got expectations um, on them, and I think um, given given the playing staff that Forest do have, um, and given I'm not saying you go around comparing all the squads in the league and suddenly Forest are up there at the very very top because that that wouldn't be the case. But they've got ample to be to be um it sounds pathetic doesn't it to be at least in the top half of, of a division which is like i said um competitive but open enough and as and as open as it's been i think given what we've seen over the past couple of seasons to be honest mm. i was we were talking before about uh, they're playing teams that are up at the top at the moment i'm just looking at the fixtures mm. at the moment and I said, actually, they've got some easy games coming up. Actually, now they don't look that easy because they've got mm. Wednesday at home, Millwall away, which is obviously a very horrible place to go, judging by Saturday. Uh, yeah, Blues yeah. at home, Stoke away, Preston away. I mean, every game looks hard now. So I suppose the question is, are Forest in a, a very long-term relegation battle or do you have some optimism they'll steadily climb the table and finish somewhere in the middle? Well, it'd be long-term if they, if they keep making a meal of... Of uh, results, um, I think the the quicker and again shoot me for common sense. The quicker you get your work done in this division, the, the more comfortable it will be, won't it? We we can't we, we can't be presuming that Forest can easily get out of this because, as we know, and, and Forest fans, it'll be slightly grating on the ears to hear that they they know what League One's about. Sadly, they do, don't they? they they've, they've experienced it, spent way too long there. And again, we discussed this before as well. Uh, obviously, old man's up for prolonging that pain for perhaps a season more than it than absolutely needed to be. And um, uh, I'll continue to apologise profusely for that. But that that sense of looking over the shoulder. And then now, the, the, the Wednesday have been down there. Leeds have been down there. I mean, look where Derby are teetering. Wednesday down there again. Mm-hmm. Wickham absolutely pulling up trees to get actually into this level of football uh, for the first time ever. Uh, and then you look at the run of games coming up. It's going to be very, very, very tough. Um, and again, maybe it's a case of Chris assessing who he's got and what he's got between now and when January 
comes around because make no mistake, the games that you mentioned there, man, the, the games that we're looking at, that it, he'll know exactly who's up for the fight. And not just about fighting, not about all these very traditional championship English football kind of platitudes of you've got to have the bit between your teeth and the fight. We we, we want quality. Forest fans mm. deserve quality. They deserve... Um, <laughs> I hesitate to use the word entertainment because we, we all... It's entertainment's relative, isn't it? I enjoy kind of bone crunching tackles as much as I enjoy crossfield passes. So <laughs> I think I think that that's um, and we should tell people what to enjoy a football match at all. They, they, there's, there's certainly given how much they've been with the side, given how crushingly they were down in the last season. There's a there's a, a debt to be repaid, I think, and it's still in the process of. Uh, in that back across to the fans, and I think and I think if you can get into January, having shown a real character and a real metal over Christmas, then suddenly I think that finish line, whether that finish line is mid-table, whether that finish line is a very, very unexpected run at the at the um, at the playoffs, um, then you, you you get yourself in a better frame of mind, ready for whichever one of those is on the on the cards. But from my personal point of view, I, I, they. I would think, and, and if you've ever seen me try and predict championship fixtures on a weekly basis, don't put any money on this. But um, I, I can't foresee it being one of those where Forrest are nervously looking over the shoulder come April time, come late March, April time. I'll hold you to that. Um. <laughs> okay. and, if, and a caveat, it won't be my fault, I promise you, if, that, if any of that's the case. But if they're in the playoffs, I'll take full credit. <laughs> as you should, as you should. Um, <laughs> looking at it's Norwich away on Wednesday. I suppose I'm curious to know how you would go about that game. Do you go there with the approach of not getting beat against a team that potentially could pass it around you and pick you off quite easily? Or do you go there and try and get the first goal, bearing in mind you scored two goals away all season? It's not the easiest position for Chris Hewitt to be in, is it? It's not, and, and I don't think for one second he's, he'll be sat there thinking, let's just go there and hopefully we don't lose. And again, from a Forest fan's point of view, that's it, it, it would be depressing to say the least if, if they assume that their club had now become that side that doesn't want to go away and get beaten. But like you say, given what they like away from the city ground, um, from a goal-scoring point of view, it's, it is super, super tough. And against the Norwich side, that again... Two very, uh, I think it was um, was it Max Aaron's and, and Lewis, I think, at the week at mm. the weekend. Two uh, and other other players off the conveyor belt that they've got there, which is tremendous, really. And, and I'm sure something that the irony of that won't get lost on Forest fans, given how that that's been very much part of what they're about in the course of their history, isn't it? The the younger part of the team. So I think I think they've got to go with a with an area of containment, but not just sit back and just expect. Norwich to pop it about and, and Forrest to hopefully get something on the break or um, squeeze something out of the opposition. Set pieces, I believe, are a huge part of the game, as we saw on Saturday. An innocuous free kick, that which led to it being the opening goal of the game, setting Forrest back. Uh, and may, maybe an emphasis on, on the quality of that from Forrest's point of view, being able to put the ball into the types of areas that the likes of um, Worrell, Wants to uh, attack and um, uh, whether it's 
Ribeiro or, or McKenna going forward uh, when it comes to actually whipping balls in from set pieces. Um, so I, I, I think, yes, first and foremost, you've got to be respectful of, of what Norwich have got to be able to, of what Norwich are capable of. But Norwich went away to Lewin the other week and lost 3-1, didn't they? So they're not completely unbeatable. They're not they're not the Man City of this division by any stretch of the imagination because there isn't one of those at this moment in time. Reading went on a bad run. Bournemouth beaten well away at Preston. You can't, Forrest cannot go into this with any form of trepidation or being timid at all. The only way they're going to fight the way out of this position is to fight, show some mm. real kind of big boy trousers and, and show and show the fans especially what they're made of. Will that um, second goal, some mm. big boy trousers, if that second goal against Reading where Figueiredo gets done one-on-one, I mean, that must annoy teammates and managers quite a lot because you talk about digging in and stuff that mm. that's kind of a fundamental that's let them down almost as much as that Samba one hasn't it yeah and there's no hiding place mm. you'll get put on whether it ha- whether you come on as a sub whether you start the game and it might have to, the the technology of it all might have changed somewhat but there, there'll be a list somewhere that says you might on the wall you're marking him you're marking him make sure he doesn't score not saying for one second you sit there and hold him because referee blows his whistle it's a penalty you do what you're told to do, which is get your body side on, which is get yourself between the man and the ball. If it looks like he's going to win it, you make it as hard as legally possible in football in terms to make sure it doesn't. Uh, and give you give your defenders and your goalkeeper half a chance of if you miss it, they've got maybe a chance of keeping it out. But it was it was passive to say the least. Um, I, uh, Matt Mills was quite strong in it at the weekend. He wasn't sure about the mind uh, the mind frame of of. Tobias as it as it come on, and maybe mm. as we spoke earlier about him being frustrated, perhaps that he'd been part of a of a decent, well earned point, and then was subsequently put on the bench because I mean you don't you don't rest centre halves, do you? I mean, no. and, and that, I always think that it, it's a, it's quite it's not even well disguised, is it? If you get rested, <laughs> you don't get rested if you're playing well, or if or if the manager fancies you. And I'm not saying Chris is is. Not a fan of Figueiredo, but in that in that sense, he didn't cover himself in glory with the reaction of of you, you kind of take it upon yourself and, and knowing centre halves like I have done and the majority that I've worked with have been um, psychotic, <laughs> but um, <laughs> there um, that, that was that kind of badge of honour because because there is no hiding place at all. That header goes in off him. Everyone just goes. And the whole team looks at the player that should have been marking him. There, mm. There's no mitigating circumstances. He wasn't blocked. He wasn't grabbed. It, it's fundamentally your fault. So there's, there's no getting away from that. So if, if there is something that's permeating into the Forest starting 11, I mean, let's, let's not even talk, even though I'm going to. I mean, again, the, you talked about Forest being, not using the word architects of their own, words architects of their own downfall, but the Cardiff game. Mm. The, the, one of the biggest strikers you'll see in English football, Kiefer Moore. He's massive. You can't lose him in a box. It's like, who's the biggest kid? No, he's there. It's my, everyone. Someone get on my shoulders and I'll mark him as well. He's that big. But still managed to have relatively free reign in the six-yard box. So certainly a lot of things to, to address from a defensive point of view. And it goes back to what we're saying about, you asked me the question about how, how do you approach Watford? Uh, sorry, uh, Norwich. You start by being hard to beat. You start by not giving people a head start. You start by um, doing the fundamentals, doing the fundamentals, which if you've got responsibility, your man doesn't score. 
if it's in your six-yard box, Breeze, come out, take us all out, keep the ball out of the box. Oh, yes, there may be an argument, the fact that there are down to 10 men. Would there have been a man on the post that would have probably cleared it? Possibly. But that first, first, first head is just too easy, too passive. Um, before I let you go then, the last two episodes I've asked people where they think or where they'd like the club to be in 12 months' time if we were talking... Who have you, who, who have you had on? Who, who are you asking here? Who am I asking? Uh, no, who are you asking the fans, last two times? Go on. Uh, a couple of fans for their perspective right. yeah. and a couple of journalists, one from us yeah. and one from Radio Nottingham. So you're the first former player. So, <laughs> oh, God. Um, uh, it's Gar- Gary Bertles is on on Thursday, so I'm going to ask Gary yes. the same question. T- and, so, and, 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 and while you're there, tell Gary I said hello. What a lovely... Lovely fella he is. He is a lovely man, and I will tell him that. He's a lovely man. Um, my favourite former Forest player. Uh, I mean, he's, he's my favourite former Forest player. So, <laughs> but when I've had the pleasure of his company, off the back of obviously doing this and working with him, it's um, I, I'm I'm probably of that generation that and we are. Maybe I'm making you older than you actually are, but of I the generation the that, that, that gladly sits and stares at him and goes, he won two European Cups. That's insane. That's that's like a you won proper trophies, Gaz, didn't you? And you're talking to me and giving me the time of day, and and you're part of the best team that was in England at that time. And it, it's it, I still it still flabbergasts me to sit with people like that. I just think it's wonderful. True, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, end of 2021. Where mm. would you like Forest as a football club to realistically be as a, as a former player? What would you hope from your old club? I'd like it to be run on a sound footing. And I understand the the kind of very the intricacies of how to run a football club are way beyond my my comprehension completely. Um, I think the the competitive side of what the football club can possibly be. I'd like to see that at the very kind of forefront of them moving forward. It would be great if they were playing football in a in a sense of. Um, like I said about that entertainment value of how relative that can be and, it, and it's all very subjective. Um, and, and also and, and a team that's really fighting at the, at the right end of the division. Coupled with that, I mean, this is slightly less focused, but p- packing, packing the city ground out once again, maybe just maybe all the talk about the development, cracking on with that. But as a football club, as, a, as an entity, having a leaner, hungry vision of what they want. Uh, there's been a huge turnaround in players, several managers that have come in and out. We were we were half patting Forrest on the back for starting and finishing a season with the same manager. Shouldn't be in that position, should they? I'm not saying you stay hold of someone because it then ticks over in some of the season, but solid foundations, things that that club at its very best were built on that's what they need and if that involves sound investment and clever investment and uh, sensible investment that would help to back that up but I think if, you, if you're talking about a forest side this side a forest team and a side this time next year then if but if there if there isn't some miraculous run between now and the end of the season which sees them jet propel themselves into the into the playoffs then they absolutely have to hit the ground run at the start of next season and be the ones that are making the running Hopefully, we're sat there going, "My God, look! They're absolutely dominating this division. They're, they're, they're showing, they're showing teams how to do it." Leeds United spent a lot of time out of the top tier, dropped down into League One. Yes, they brought someone in who was completely out of left field, who managed to elevate the same group of players into 
a team that is given a passing impression of a of a Premier League side at this moment in time and, and, and putting a, a real fight up. Why can't that happen with Forest? I, I can't mm. see why it can't. True. Right, I can't let you go without talking about your background memorabilia. It's very impressive. Is this I think um... I said just 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 my background. <laughs> That's awful. <laughs> no, not your yeah. Your, uh, yeah, not your family. Um, Let's not go remember. there again. <laughs> I mean, I suppose I was going to ask. Uh, do you mm. have much football memorabilia? Or I know you're a big music no. fan. Is, is this no. your the, your big thing collecting music well, stuff rather just... than signed shirts? Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I, and I should say, I, I should say for people who are listening rather than viewing, mm. David's got um, signed Beatles stuff, and you know, it's, it's and there's this without getting all nerdy. There's a Led Zeppelin one, U two, John Lennon, I'm a big fan of, which is quite personal. Coming into December, isn't it? Um, Pink Floyd, Paul McCartney. It's I've always it's it, I, I, it always sounds a bit um, what's the word again without wanting to swear. A bit later, I went, like, oh, I love music. I mean, that's such an all-encompassing kind of... Mm. There's some music that I absolutely hate and don't understand. Uh, like jazz, I haven't got a clue. How you, how you quantify jazz, how you enjoy what, what you do with jazz. I, I, I don't know, unless I smoke a cigar to it. But um, uh, it, it's it's something that it's always kind of... I've loved, and I'm a big fan of the Beatles from my mother's influence and Led Zeppelin, something that I've come to a bit later. You sense a bit of a... A bit of a theme here, especially when I had my long hair. It was all very pastiche, one, all very cliched, 70, 60s, 70s rocker type stuff. But now, give me a good gig, Axi Monkeys, whoever it is. Used to, Rock City was a good place to go and watch mm. um, uh, bands, as was the arena. I remember seeing the Killers there and Oasis. I went with, who did I go with? Jim Brennan, Jack Lester went, maybe David Johnson. I don't think we got Marlon in. I don't think it was Marlon's vibe at the time, <laughs> Oasis, to be honest. Uh, but again, he had a terrific sound system in his Fiat Punto that he had. I think the, the subwoofer <laughs> took up the actual boot, and um, which I mean, and again, he's, he's, he's gone on to do he's extremely well in the automotive um, yeah. industry, hasn't it? That makes him sound like a car dealer. It's not. He's, he does very <laughs> high end fit outs of very high spec uh, cars. But no, the, just this is it's somewhere in the house. I've, I've been allowed to put something up that actually shows that I live here. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> other than that, that's. That's 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 possible. You, you never know, man. I might turn this webcam off, and I might just sit here for the next two. Weeks. I might not be allowed out of this room. It could be a cell, mate. That's, that's, maybe that's what well, you see. You wouldn't know I lived here from the background of my. What's, what's no, I mean, I mean, it's. I, I think, I think, however you manage to put that TP up is cracking. Can't and I think, I think, yeah. I think the feature, the feature fireplace looks lovely. So it's um, no, it's, it's 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 about character in it in in your house. Hopefully. Part of it reflects who you are. See, I'm, I'm not just put on this earth to bug the life out of football fans. I've, I've, I've got, I've got other interests. <laughs> but aside from that, right. Uh, well, we should probably end it there. So after some yeah. music chat, thank you very much to everyone who watched along and uh, asked some questions of David. We'll be back on Thursday, as we said, with Gary Bursles to look back on hopefully uh, something from the Norwich game. Yeah, exactly. Fingers crossed. Uh, do give us a good rating on iTunes and Apple Podcasts because that helps get us in people's feeds. So we're grateful for that. And subscribe on YouTube if you're watching on YouTube. David, thank you as ever. I'm going to let you go and uh, receive more furniture deliveries, which was what was happening before we started recording. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we know our roles in life, don't we? Just keep we do. Manning the stations and, 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 and speaking to the poster. That's, that's all we're here for. Yeah, pre-Christmas Amazon Depot in my house. <laughs> right. Thank you very much to everyone who watched along and we will catch you soon. Bye.
Thank you for listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening. Thank you.